on the move. Little dance step was good. Couple of bounces. Can take it himself. And launch long. Inspirational. Time ticking away. Stop it. Silvani! What about that? Mackay, Mackay! Two in a minute. And they are dancing now, the Blues. Almost Mackay. Walsh, here he is. Straightens up and has delivered. Is there nothing this young man can't do? Hello and welcome to the Navy Blue Corner. I'm Ian and I'm joined as always by my good mate, Lockie. And look, just a bit of housekeeping, I think. Before we get into this week's episode, unfortunately, we uh, we weren't able to make and record an episode last week for the Port game. Lockie and I were holidaying away up at Airy Beach and we just <laughs> couldn't find the time to do it in between beverages. And look, I think as Murphy's Law would have it, of course, we miss out on chatting about a win and we're here talking about a loss. But at least we are here and we are here to chat about it. But it has been hard to get us both together. I was fortunate or unfortunate yep. enough to be actually be over there in WA for the game against Frio. And now you're back in you're back in Queensland. So it is hard to, to get us both in the same place at the same time. So, yeah, Lockie, how are you going, mate? Mate, remember when we started this thing and it was like COVID lockdowns? We were doing nothing else <laughs> but preparing for the pod, recording the pod. Debriefing on the pod. That was our that was our life. We're much busier now. It's it's nice, but yeah, I'm sad that we missed our first week. But I'm going well, thank you. Brisbane's going very well. How are you? And how was how was it over in Freo? Oh mate, it was lovely. Apart from apart from the uh the loss and the performance, everything else was amazing. I was lucky enough to be uh, over there with the WA Blues and their little yes. function that they had before the game, which was amazing at the Cam Field. Ended up being absolutely packed out. They were people waiting outside that couldn't get in, massive line. So big shout-out to the WA Blues supporter group there. Got to listen to Lukey Power and Alex Silvani have a bit of a chit-chat. So, yeah, it was an amazing little thing. There's There are so many Carlton supporters over in Western Australia. It blows my mind away every time I go over. Unreal. Yeah, that's great. I'm very envious. A little less envious with the result and, the, you know, <laughs> your good omen has been broken about you going over there, but we will rebuild from that. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, let's let's get into this. We've now had enough rounds of footy, I think, that you can start to maybe see what is a trend, what isn't. And because I think that was the big thing. The first couple of weeks, there was, a, there was a couple of little maybe issues underlying under there. And you kind of go... Doesn't really matter. We're winning games of football. That's going to sort yep. itself out. Looks like they've been lingering for a while. We've had a couple of losses, a couple of close games. So, what are you now seeing, Lockie, <laughs> that you think are trends that are an issue for us? And one of the reasons why we maybe lost that game against Fremantle? It's a good question. And I do agree. We're, we've got a bigger sample size now, and, and we can reflect more on these trends than just those first few games. But I mean, I still personally don't feel like I've got us worked out. I still don't mm. feel like I know where we're going to be sitting in three or four months' time at the end of the season. But, I mean, yeah, there, I mean, there were some pretty clear things on, on the weekend gone by of why we went down. And, I, you know, don't want to start with, the, I suppose, the negative things and the things that have been talked about by everyone, but I guess that's a good place to start. It, I mean, it was it was pretty detrimental when, when Pitt went down. Um, yeah. I, thought, I thought TDK had a really good showing, especially compared mm. to how he performed when he solo rucked a couple of weeks ago without Pitt. I thought that was that was not, you know, night and day in his performance. 
Um, but still, it it showed, I guess, I think our reliance on that kind of one part of our game, and mm. yeah, and how important Pitt is to our side. And it's really disappointing that we're going to be without him for a while now. The rucks are such an interesting thing. We obviously saw it against Gold Coast. How you take our our big strength away, which were those stoppages, those center clearances. That's where we were generating our scoring from. You take Pitt away in that Gold Coast game, we really struggled and. Even though we got dominated in the hitouts, I don't have the stats in front of me, but it was something like almost 40 hitouts or something to 15, I think it was in the end. I, I agree. I thought TDK was actually all right. I thought he played played a lot better um, against Darcy for majority of the game until he ended up going off compared. Yeah. And if we had got that maybe in that Gold Coast game, it could have been a bit of a different story. But I thought the way he was actually competing and the way that I think the midfield were trying to react a little bit more off the other guy winning the tap was a bit of an improvement, but yeah. there were just so many other facets of the game that just, it's becoming a bit of a, an issue that I, I hope we can fix, particularly now that maybe our strength is gone. It, it looks like that with the way we were just dominating and, and generating all our scores from that. You take away our strength. The next few weeks are going to be so inter- interesting to see if we can fix the other components of our game. Yeah. So true. I mean, yeah, and I agree. I thought I thought TDK. Yeah, I thought his rucking looked better. I felt like you know we've been, often been critical of him of like you know he goes for those big marks and they just slip out of his hands and mm. that kind of thing. It felt like those things were clicking. He was doing some nice little bits around the ground. He had a he got a bunch of the ball, which was yeah you know you would hope that he would with the amount of time he was spending on the ball. But um, yeah, it was a good improvement. But yeah, wow, it was the biggest kind of I, I think you and I have reflected a fair bit where. Um, in, in the wins that we've had, a lot of the kind of more role player types have had really good games and they've been getting mm. their hands on the ball more, not expecting them to be at that elite level of everyone, but kind of a bit more consistent. And this really felt like that game. And the, the stats reflect it more than anything. And it's, it's pretty shocking. And the fact that our top guys had so much of the ball yeah. and we just had so many players that it felt like we were carrying and underperformed. Mm. And, you know, that was it. That was That was the game for me. Yeah, it was one of the big things that was spoken about, I think, before that Port game with the big changes where O'Brien goes out, your Nunes and your Cottrells, those kind of guys are brought in. Yeah, We get the win in that Port game and you you take it and you go, all good. And then they just have that performance again this week where even like you can throw a set of field into that. Yeah. All these guys just did not perform and now you're, you're thinking – are these all guys that now have to be dropped? I know Nunes was someone that we were chatting about um, off podcast sort of through messages about yep. how this guy, we knew what we were getting. He was never going to take us forward, but he was serviceable. Absolutely. I, I don't know if he can actually play another game for us. I don't know if that's too reactive a call, but mm. he looked awful out there. He looked slow. Decision-making was lacking. All those little things that you were at least getting that reliability out of. Didn't get it in this weekend. It makes the selection look a little bit more interesting because I feel like you could get a lot more out of a few of the guys that aren't getting games. And O'Brien, we could we could have used his kicking to to break down that game because yeah, probably the biggest trend for me is that ball movement and transition. So I think some yeah. of these selections will need a change this week. Yeah, I think I think you and I both try and not be too critical on here mm. about like team selection because we we have a very limited sample size of what we're going off and, and, and yeah. lots of members of the, of the Carlton community and AFL community in general are very, um, 
you know, loud when it comes to team selection. And, yeah. and I think you are trying not to be that case, but this is one where it feels like there is just so many other players that could be getting the opportunity that one either are developing and we know that Nunes isn't developing or will just flat out give a better performance mm. because his stats maybe don't reflect it on the surface where he was in really the, the top 50% of players in terms of getting the ball and, mm. and meters gained, but it's just, it's just not there. The, the missed tackles, the use of the ball, um, yeah, I don't know. It was it was disappointing for me. Not not trying mm. to put it, the loss on yeah. him, but it's it's just one of the ones that kind of stuck out as you mm. know somewhere where we can immediately improve with team selection. And that's it. Like neither of us are trying to throw an individual or a couple under the bus, but it was those outside players that they're they're the fringe ones. And, and when you're trying to play a few that I think we all know that we're not like even a Cottrell who is younger, he's probably not the future. The ceiling's not there. Why are we not playing all these other guys? And it's it's hard to be you know too critical at times with like the team selection because I think you raised a really good point with me when we were chatting when we we're on holiday, saying you never know what O'Brien might have done that isn't public. Did he miss a training session? Was there something that he was specifically asked to do in mm. in that game before he was dropped that he didn't do? And they've gone well, okay. We asked you to to implement this. You didn't do it we have to take you out and reward good form in the twos. And it yeah. does make sense. It's frustrating from the outside when we're going, gee, he has, he has so many great things that, that, that kick that we desperately need to break through opposition. He seems to be our best winger in a position that we don't seem to have anyone else. And, and he's the one that gets dropped over others. So I get it. Yeah. But yeah, I think, I think he's one of many that need to come back in the, uh, next week. And we've, I think we've had this talk on the podcast before about like the transparency element of the club. Mm. Like so many people are calling for the more transparency and everything, but there comes a line where that becomes a disadvantage. Like well, it's it, in very specific scenarios, but you know, the coaches can't be saying every reason why Stocker isn't mm. playing. Like whether it's a niggling injury that an opposition could target or whether it's a weakness in Dow's game that isn't, like it, on mm. the surface, it looks like he's performing really well in, in the VFL, but mm. maybe there's something that we're not seeing. But yeah, having all said that, and maybe it seems hypocritical, there also comes a point where it's like, wow, there is so much happening yeah. where it feels like that wing position that someone like Nunes and look, I, there's been times this year where I've been really pleased with Setterfield and the role mm. that he's been doing. Same. But but like this weekend and the last couple of weeks, it's just kind of felt like, yeah, surely there's something better that we could try when things just don't seem to be working. I don't know. That's how yeah. I feel. And I agree. Like, cause in this game in particular, we didn't seem to really try anything different. I noticed like Doherty went onto a wing late a little bit. Yeah. We finally threw like Lewis Young into the ruck at one stage, but we weren't seeming to try to change things up when it wasn't working. And I don't know if that's just them trying to go, okay, this is the way we're going to play. We're not executing it. That's the issue. Keep going until we execute it. Stop, you know, going away from it and trying something completely brand new when we know what works. It's just the fact that they're not executing. So I can understand yeah. it from that point of view. But when the game gets taken away, I would much rather see something change. Because then at least from a fan point of view, you yeah. can realize that we're evolving because it seems like the last, I mean, really seems like the really the, the second half of that Doggies game, Hawthorne game onwards, the ball movement went under pressure when our, our center work has been taken away from us disappears. And it's the big thing I want to talk on because it's now really become a trend where 
you cut off that corridor and we're gone. Yep. And there's nothing, there's nothing else there. And I was fortunate to pretty much be behind the goals at the game. So I got to see quite a bit of how teams were setting up. And I noticed really at that center square, say we have the ball kicking in or we've got it on one side of the ground. Yeah. All Freo had to do was just lock down three or four guys on the edge of the uh, the center square. Yeah. Maybe chuck one or two in the middle of the of the big center square. And it was like, that's the corridor locked off. And we just did not try multiple things. We didn't try to throw different guys in there to counteract this. We weren't doing those sort of dummy leads, those sacrificial leads to try and stretch players, whether it was creating a small option on the wing or drawing players away to create space. We just, it was okay. Everyone set up on on the wing near the boundary, kick it long. Mm. Every single kick in was kick it short to the pocket or just play on. And then all of it just ended up long down the line. And like, that's just going into your shell. That's not taking the game on. When we played our best football, we're we're taking on those 45s. We're being creative. And I get it. Like, free or really well-structured team, it's hard to break that down. But we'd had no dare. It was really like Sard and Doc at times. We were the only ones wanting to take it on. But when there's no one there, what do you do? Like, is that the problem that you're seeing? And how do you think we can kind of <laughs> fix this? Because it's obviously an issue that's a lot mm. easier said to fix than done, basically. Because they all know that's an issue. The fact that they're struggling to fix it means that it is a bit of a harder task. It definitely, for me, is the biggest question. And I've also dreaded talking about it because, uh, like, I, you, we've seen it in pretty much every game this season. And it's yeah. really hard for me to put my finger on exactly where it is. I think the sacrificial leads is a really good point and something that I don't often see us do. And it is the kind mm-hmm. of thing that I see. I feel like I'm, I, I may have seen every Melbourne game this season. And it feels like whenever they have the ball in those parts mm-hmm. of the ground, there's always, even that guy that is no chance of getting the ball, but but is leading there and just creating that space and ball movement. And I don't know whether that's a discipline game plan style. Mm. And I know we've mentioned this thing and I hate saying it, but is it because we're we're tired at times because of the runs that we go on, um, which we didn't necessarily have in this game, like a big offensive run where we we kick a bunch of goals. But I, I don't have the answers. But it does seem really clear to me that that's the times because mm. yeah, we can only win so many contested marks on the wing that then transition us inside 50 and we just got dominated yeah. on the inside 50s. We couldn't get a pass mm. halfway. No, couldn't. And like, I think that's the issue. We just seem so stagnant from the outside. Whatever the game plan is, whatever the directive is, when we get the ball, when we're under pressure, it's when it's the hardest time to react there's nothing ahead of the ball. And even when we're doing these long kicks down the line, the safety option, where are all the small forwards? Where's anyone on the ground? As soon as the ball hits the ground, if if Harry, Charlie, or you know TDK aren't taking these amazing contested grabs, ball hits the ground, every other team seems to be able to just win the ball back so easily. And I think that was a big issue that I understand in that sort of forward half, in, in particularly in our forward 50, when the yep. ball isn't getting long enough and deep enough, it's hard for these smalls to be able to lock it in with their pressure. But then when the ball's there on the wing and that's their time to go and apply that pressure, they didn't seem to be there either. And I don't know if this is personnel. I don't know if it's strategy. It, it's so hard to put 
finger on what is going wrong because it seems like there's so many different little things that's why we're losing. We can't work the ball out. We can't get the ball deep, which just means it's rebounding quicker. We don't have that interceptor. So the ball's coming in deeper into our defensive half, which makes it harder to take the ball out. It's like all these compounding factors and put the scoreboard pressure on there and we just go into our shell. It's something that, yeah, it, it, it needs to evolve. It needs to be fixed. And this it's going to be the biggest test for, I think, this coaching group. We've mentioned multiple times that this is a work in progress. It's going to take yep. time. They started with that contested side that we liked. The other side hasn't gelled just yet, and now we don't have the yep. Ruckman. They're going to have to figure this out quick because we've got, you know, North and Adelaide coming up to super winnable games. Not that they're amazing <laughs> position, but if you can't move the ball at all, we could get we could have a couple of losses here. You're not wrong. That's a bit scary. Yeah, the, the, not to the, be the, negative, and, but yeah. No, and and we have and we have talked about all the negative things, but and and a lot of the things that we've talked about in previous episodes as well, like the structural things that have changed. With I, mean, I know these are the words that nobody wants to hear, but the injuries that we've had that have changed our structure and changed how we. Mm looked in in round one and how we were preparing for the season like there's no denying that that's made an impact so yeah you know it's going to be good we're going to get gov back soon and you know we're going to hopefully be able to resume some of those structural things that we had but and don't get me wrong there were still positive things and it was pretty late in the game where i was thinking to myself we're in this we can yeah we can do that run we we can we can attack them hard here and you know Freo are good Freo are a good team Mm. i'm putting my optimistic hat on now but yeah (laughs) Yeah, there was that moment where I can't remember the exact time or who kicked a goal, but we just kicked a couple. And it was that moment of, gee, if we kick the next one, we're in this. Like, we're right back in this. And I had that feeling deep down. And maybe it was because I was there in the last two times. The only two times I've been over to see Carlton play live over there, we've managed to win. And we've had so many close games against Frio. In the back of my head, I was just thinking, if we can kick the next two, Bring this into a close margin. I wonder if Frio will just completely, you know, whether they'll shit themselves and think it's happening again, like it seems to happen with us when a team get a bit of a run on. We go, oh, no, it's happening again. The pressure comes and you end up conceding and losing. But ultimately, Mm -hmm. I think the nail in the coffin was that Zachy Williams mistake where he just kicks it straight to the opposition. They get an easy goal. And that's sort of pretty much it. It's annoying that it comes down to like just an individual error, but we weren't putting ourselves in the right positions. To, to win that game. And I, structure was something I did want to touch on. And it's a bit of a question from this. So bear with me while I get to that question. But you, you mentioned the structure. And we've chatted about it a bit on this podcast the last few weeks is, you know, you don't have McDonald, who is your second best key defender. He's the guy that was meant to be the general. So I think your weedering could maybe do a bit more higher up the ground. You then don't have Gov, who was that interceptor. He's the one that was rebounding, winning the ball high to protecting the rest of the back six and taking on those risky 45s, one of the best kicks in our game. You yep. take away Pitonet, which is where our ruck dominance was, where our clearance dominance, all the scoring that everyone's been talking about. I've never heard so many stats about scoring in a season from all the media and where that's generated from, but that was our thing. And then you take that away, it looks like we struggle quite a lot. So my question off that is, I get it. Injuries are going to happen, and you take you lose your structure. You might you might not be as good as, as you should be. But should we be relying on, I guess, a system 
mm. implementing a system that is so reliant on one or two key individuals that it seems clear to me that the backup can't give you anywhere near the same dominance. You you take Pitt away, we don't have another physical Ruckman to play that way. Yeah. We've lost Gov and no one else has played an intercept role. We've brought in Parks, doesn't play intercept. Plowman, doesn't play intercept. Haven't given Brody Kemp a go. Can he play it? Like we, we seem to have lost these key cogs and then just not replace them. So is that an issue for you that we've gone down the road of this game plan that is just so stringent on like two people staying fit? Gee, mate, million dollar question. I agree. I mean, it's the challenging part of that for me is I think the that kind of structure and game plan theoretically when we saw it in the preseason and we were thinking yeah. about you and I were talking about like golf moving down back and what that can bring and you know you know this this midfield that is so far heightened from last year with Ches and, and Hewitt in there that it all did sound great mm. theoretically. I mean uh, no I, I don't want to I don't want to say that I you know want to abandon it or you yes. know that it's not the right mm. that it's not the right idea but I suppose the puzzling thing for me, which is probably more of a question than an answer, is guys like Young and Parks. I think in the in in times gone by, we've thought hmm, they could they could do those kind of intercept yeah. roles. We can see them doing that, like Marchbank when he comes back. Like we've got those players that can be those intercept guys, but we're not we're not doing it. And. Mm. And why is that? Like in the Richmond game, it felt like even if it wasn't Gov, when we were getting those inset marks or we were, you know, getting those turnovers in, in the defensive 50, we were taken off. Mm. I, I, I can't think of a time in this in the Frio game where we took a mark in defensive 50 and took off. It was like, yeah. take it, get back off the mark. And it feels like structurally there's, there's players that can do those kind of philosophies, mm. but it wasn't there. We so, it felt like we were so scared and nervous mm. to take those risks, like we were in the second half of the Port game, you and I screaming from the couch in bloody early beats saying, why aren't we <laughs> taking a risk? So I don't know if that answers it. I feel, mm. I feel like some of those philosophies that we think will work really well can be implemented with the players that we have, but it's not happening for whatever reason that is. Mm. How's that for a fence sit for you? I don't even think that's a fence sit. Like I, I actually didn't mind the answer. I kind of agree where whether it's – whether Parks is that right player or not, it doesn't look like his role that he's been given is to be that McGovern interceptor. He's not kind of being another mid-small lockdown as part of a collective. And that that was our drive. That was everything because, as I kind of alluded to earlier, the higher you win the ball up the ground, the easier it is to defend. And it's what they were able to do against yeah. us. We weren't able to penetrate get those deep entries, which then force you to, as the defense, Precisely. oh, shit, I'm under pressure. I'll quick kick out. You get the ball back, multiple entries, you're going to score from that. Like, the, it's so easy true. to say, hard to execute. But we just, ever since we lost Gov, we've just kind of gone away from that whole, the way we play. And there was a couple of other things I was, I was trying to listen back to some of the earlier podcasts to see if there are other little things that we were talking about that I'm not seeing anymore. Yeah. Do you remember how much we were talking about when we lost possession of the ball, how quick we were to man space point. Everyone knew exactly where they needed to be and it happened quick and we shut teams down. What happened to that? Like that's yeah. gone quickly. And then also we we're just kind of talking about it when we started this episode, 
Yeah. When we when we were looking for those short kicks inside or even on the wing, there were a lot of short option leads. I remember that Richmond game in particular. Yeah. As soon as we were on top, we were just finding these little dinky kicks all the time. Fifteen meters here, we'll switch, we'll bring it back. There was so much work rate, people working really hard to win the ball all over the ground and to cover it. I don't know what's dropped off. I do not know what the issue is. You can't say you take Gov out and all of a sudden now you can't no. run around the ground and defend. No. So I, I'm just I'm really curious as to know what has gone wrong from those past couple of weeks. It seems as soon as there's that pressure on us, we haven't come to the the table, which is it's a little bit worrying. It's it's now become it a trend. It's now been really apart from that Richmond game and most of. You know, a quarter or two in some of the other games, it just mm. hasn't existed. And I, I don't know how they fix that. I agree. Uh, I'm trying not to lean on my, like, optimistic tendencies that we have and, and all the positive things in the season for this because I just don't I just don't know where it is. And I, yeah. I, I, it's, it's the kind of thing where I feel like it's going to become more apparent and maybe we can listen back to this, this episode in a couple months' time and, and we'll mm. see how we've improved or not. Yeah. In, in terms of doing this, but yeah, God damn. I, I feel like it's the thing that they're talking about on the Monday morning debrief yeah. and, you know, like these, these are literally the questions that are going to, that can take us into the finals because mm. yeah. like we have, we have the personnel now where we, we've seen mm. already what good is and we haven't even been at our best yet in my opinion. Yeah. Like if all this comes to plan, we can be freaking amazing and people need to mm. believe that. And that's it. Like, I don't want to overreact too much to a to a loss, but I think it was maybe because we also didn't get to chat about last week where there were the same issues. Yeah. There, I just wanted to get on top of these and kind of say what that is and hopefully the things that we can point out to fix. But the next two weeks are really going to be where I'm going to be taking everything out of that because Free are yeah. a good team. They're hard to beat over there. It was always going to be hard. I'm disappointed sure. we didn't played our best and we didn't seem to fix things that were going against us. But next two weeks when we play North and Adelaide, two teams we need to be beating, we're oh, four nice. and two at the moment. That's six and two. And if you can say we still haven't played that well and we're six and two, eight games into the season, that's unreal. And there's clearly building blocks and we know it's early on in this coaching tenure and things take time, particularly with structural players out. But that's, yeah, that's where I'm really going to be critical yeah. on just everything because, you know, you lose those two games, you lose, you win. Really, I think anything oh, other than two wins is not good enough in those. But, Agreed. yeah, there's, there's a lot to, to hopefully look forward to. I don't know. I'm, I'm almost sick of chatting about this game, to be honest. Oh, buckle up, listeners. These next couple of weeks, I tell you. It's going to be one or the other. It's either going to be completely lids off. Yeah. Or, oh, gee. No, I'm not even gonna, I'm, yeah, I'm not even going to manifest what our score would be if we if we did drop these. But yeah, now we're winning them six and two, baby. Yeah, if we if we lose those, we might have to head back to Airlie Beach and maybe not. We will maybe miss a couple more weeks of the pod. Uh, maybe see what the NRL's very... up to. How's the storm going? <laughs> Gee, pretty good to be honest. I'm watching a fair <laughs> bit of that these days, so we might have to change with the storm potty. But no, we'll obviously uh, stick around for this one. And of course, I think that I think. Things are clearly there and it should be an easy fix. Just a couple of dumb things that we've brought out of just work rate, dummy leads. 
that is yeah. an easy fix to some degree. There's obviously a lot more to it, but I think we can fix a couple of these. And one was really interesting that I didn't really think about until the week before when I heard what Lee Montagna said on, I think he was a guest on 360, and it was something I tried to watch a bit more on the uh, the Frio game, and he was basically saying, and maybe this is a bit of a, a positive in one way, <clears throat> oh. we looked like Melbourne in 2019. <laughs> our big issue was all our midfield was just getting drawn to the contest. When the ball was there on the wing to be won, there's a bit of a scrap. If there's about four or something players behind it, all of us run to the ball. And so you can yeah. look at that and go on the positive of, okay, Vossi's clearly trying to set standards of we need to be hard at the football. What have we not been for the past 10 years? We've been a pretty soft team. We have not wanted to put our head over the ball. We haven't wanted to chase. That's changing. Every single player, I want to see you go for it. We might have overcorrected a little bit too hard where then all these players, you can see them. They all rush to the contest or rush along where the ball is going, along that wing. And mm. then because all of them are going, no one's staying back, if the opposition win the ball, bang, straight in board, they've got the players. And that's why we're getting hurt on that transition as well. So it was an interesting thing that Montagna was mm. saying. That's exactly what Melbourne was struggling with in 2019. They were able to fix it. And look, we see where they are now. So if you want to draw a comparison, one of the oh, best man. ones to have. But these are things that can be fixed. It's not like, oh, no, throw the baby out with the bathwater, get a new coach, this is all disaster. These things are fixable, and it's just about trying to get them sorted, I think, as soon as possible because, you know, you're looking at the top eight. There's teams that are performing below us. Our percentage is pretty lacking at the moment. We're going to start to be needing to fix these pretty quickly. But I just thought that was a really interesting bit of analysis from yeah, no, I love it. I love it. And you mentioned before about the overreacting piece. Like, yeah, look, we overreact to a loss. And mm. it's it's hard to, in these moments, remember all the amazing positives that we've had. Yeah. And, like, what is this team? <coughs> like, I know Port Adelaide aren't the best team in the world, but they won by yeah. 80 on the weekend. And if we can do anything close to what we did in the first half against them, what's yeah. the stat? Our biggest first half in... 10 years Since or something? 2012. <clears throat> Mate, you and I were obviously on the couch. Happy <laughs> early watching that. We're going nuts. If we can do anything <clears throat> similar to that moving forward, and like you said, I just it just doesn't yeah. feel like they are huge changes to be able to do that. Mm. It's positive. I agree. And I think the big thing we have seen is just how good our best is. It is some of the best in the AFL, the way we're able to move the ball and score quickly from it. And even in this, um, like – I don't, don't have them at the moment, but Pommy chucked up a bunch of stats on Twitter yeah. talking about, and, and one of them was kind of talking about how we don't seem to get like a lot of the ball that quickly translates into to some of our scoring efforts, like inside 50. Yeah, We don't seem to get a lot of inside 50s maybe compared to other teams, but we seem to still score well from that. That's a really strong positive, being able to hit them. You get more of the ball in those dangerous areas. You're going to see yeah. us hopefully fly past teams. So... There are still some positives in there. So did you want to chat about any, I guess, individual performers or anything that you did see as a bit of a positive in the game on the weekend? For sure. Plenty of positives, plenty of positives, um, which is the good one to start with. Um, I mean, you would have experienced it the game. Gee, I thought the fans were going to get pretty sick of booing Chera every single disposal. (laughs) 
Like, when do you oh, stop? Yeah. Like 20, 25, 30? Like, just give it up. Because, man, he, I, I thought he really turned it on against the, the old team for me. Yeah, look, I was obviously at the game. Uh, that was probably the most vocal I was getting personally when Chera was getting the ball. I remember the first time they booed him and I just obnoxiously yelled out, you're, you're going to be doing that a lot today, boys, because he's going to get plenty of it. And he did. They were booing a lot. I heard a lot of boos because he was just absolutely oh, dude, dominating out there. Um, but that was a good thing. And I, you know, I love getting around our own players when I'm in enemy territory and there's maybe not as many Carlton supporters, even though I think there was plenty of us. As soon as Chera yeah. got the ball, mate, I'm up there clapping him. Like it's only <laughs> one bloke compared to all the bloody Freo supporters, but... I love it. I love that little bit of the the game. But I thought Chera was really good. It easily could have gone, who knows? He's a young player <clears throat> in those conditions yeah. that hasn't been in before. Pretty hostile. The crowd are going at you. Can easily go into your shell. You never know if the opposition players are going to start really getting into you. I don't really think they did, to be honest. But I thought he held himself really, really well. I thought he was definitely one of our better players. Yeah, no, I agree. It was something going in for me as well. I was like, hmm, how is this going to go? It's going to either go one or two ways, you know, a game like this or, or really going into his shell. So, God, he, he's just, I feel like he's such a calming presence yeah. on the field. I love that he's just another one of those players that we can get the ball to and, and rely on him around, around mm. stoppages and the like. So, yeah, you know, that was really positive. But I don't know. Was he, was he your best for us or did you have any uh, Brownlow contenders above him? Yeah, unfortunately, I don't even think Chera made my votes, unfortunately. Wow. We, might, we might get to that at some stage. Uh, Are we going to disagree? <laughs> it's about time. But yeah, Would I think you? who you're alluding to is uh, Mr. Chaz Cripps. He was unbelievable yeah. again. I, I, I couldn't even... I saw his stats after the game and I was like, oh shit, I didn't realize he kicked that many goals. Like He was really, really good. Yeah. I just almost yeah. forgot <clears throat> half of what happened in that game, but he was really instrumental he seems to be that player now that he stands up and when you need a goal, when you need a bit of magic, he seems to be the one that helps lift things. So yeah. we are getting a little bit back to, I think, some individual efforts and players being the reason we, we play a little bit better in patches. But I think knowing that we do have that lever to pull when the system is up to scratch, it's going to be unbelievable because he is, gee, he's, he's missed that game, a couple of games. <gasps> He'd still be up there for the Brown, though, 100%. Because he got the 10 coaches' votes, which was just insane. Ridiculous. Ridiculous. <laughs> I did not expect that one bit, but he, he's yeah. unbelievable. <clears throat> I, w- I was shocked when I saw that, too. Uh, yeah, the goal snuck up on me. Like you said, clearances, tackles, like it always is. And, mm. like, the run, the chase down tackles, like, yeah. for holding the ball, like, where have best. you been? Where have you been? I'm just, I'm just so here for it. I love it. Yeah, I guess um, another little bit of a positive from a player was the big threat, honestly, going into that game was your Tabana in form, kicked a bag the week before. Yep. Didn't see him. I, I said in the post, someone yep. check Alex Silvani's pocket. I checked Buddy Franklin's still in there. Someone needs to check Jacob Wiedering's pocket because there's a Matty Tabana in there. I don't reckon he even touched the ball. He had like one... One free kick, missed it. <laughs> Absolutely cleaned him up. I thought Weedering was one of our better players for just the yeah. role he was able to do in that back line when the ball was coming in there so much. Totally agree. Yeah, you're right. It was, <laughs> yeah, 
it felt it felt like a bit of an avalanche at times with what what, it, what they was having to deal with down back and yeah I agree it's so good and Jay oh man Larky this week I know we're not talking about next week yet but oh. <laughs> oh please give that man a bath Jacob oh, I'd love please. it please zero goals God I'm so here for that I will be all over North Coast if that's the case. <laughs> That'll be beautiful. So I guess, do you have any other kind of positives before I maybe touch on a few more negatives to end the game chat? Look, I, I honestly, we've kind of covered the three positives, the big <laughs> positives for me. I mean, obviously Walsh, obviously Doc, and obviously Hewitt were all, but we know what we get from these guys yeah. now. Like we know what we're getting. They're getting the ball a ton. They're making good decisions. They're being calm. They're setting us up and we need more blokes to be, channeling what they're bringing but yep. yeah they're all the big standouts for me yeah i agree so i guess while we've gone positive there are still a couple of other things i wanted to touch on from the game one of those is a really small thing but it seems to be another trend that has kind of passed over from last season where there's and i don't think he necessarily had the best game but it was kind of the point that it it brings here is how many times do we know what a team is going to do in the back half, we know they have an interceptor. They know where we want to. They want to rebound from, and we don't yep. deal with it for pretty much most of that game. We know Ryan down there is one of the best. You know, interceptors is an absolute good gun footballer down there. Yep. Did you know who was on him for? I reckon ninety percent of that game. <clears throat> Corey Durden. Hmm. Oh, yeah, okay. was, yep, 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 that rings a bell. Yep. I don't know what we're attempting to do there, but it didn't seem like we we're trying to nullify the thing that we know to stop. And now maybe I'm wrong. Maybe the idea, because I've tried to think about this, maybe the idea was, okay, we'll try to make him accountable by Durden pushing up the ground, making him have to follow him, that pace, and, and having to maybe just tire him out. Maybe that was the idea and maybe we, we didn't have that Silvani to play that little bit taller there to, to deal with yeah. it. But it just seems silly again, where they're getting so many intercept marks, their tools are just, we're not getting the ball down there. They're chucking the wall back. And it was Corey Durden on their best interceptor. That just didn't sit right for me as again, another week where yeah. like, you know, like a CJ, no one really does anything different to, to prevent his run. It just yeah. felt like we kind of did that again this week, which is, I guess a bit disappointing where I'm not seeing this strategic game day tweaking of things to get us playing better football. And yeah, it's another, I think, disappointing trend for me in that space. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. God, I completely forgot that <clears throat> Sauce was another one that wasn't there on the weekend. Yeah. Do, do, do you feel uh, like that's, do you feel that, do you feel it is more a strategic thing or do you feel like there's, you know, it's the it's the lack of the personnel that can do that kind of role in like in like shutting someone like that down. Like I don't know if you were, you know, I know I know we hate doing this this kind yeah. of question, but if the coaches see like what what do you think? Like what would you have even tried? Well, I think if you're trying to do that, like is is Martin a better person because he's a bit taller and yep. he can jump? Like is that a better option? And look, I'm not too sure I necessarily have the answer, but it just kind of annoyed me mm. that it clearly wasn't working and we just kind of went, okay, we'll stick with it, which seemed to be the trend in that whole game where it was, oh, you know what's not working? Moving the ball really slow and kicking it down the line. So guess what we're going to do again, boys? Run it I've back. Got the ball. 
do it again and see what happens. Like the definition of insanity, doing the same yeah. thing over and over, expecting a different result. Good and call. then, yeah, it was just, it was, it was hurting my head at, the, at that game, seeing just the same things happening yeah. and no levers being pulled there. Um, yeah, very fair. And then, look, this isn't going to be anywhere near a Levi Casbolt kind of rant from me. Um, <laughs> and <laughs> so don't, don't strap yourselves in. It's very light. Any on. wives? Any wives called? No, and I'm, not, I'm not, and I'm not trying to have a massive crack because I don't know the full story and maybe someone can actually come forth, give me a bit more information on it. But it was something yep. that was a bit disappointing for me. Uh, I get it. WA, it's far to travel. People have jobs. It's expensive. It was really expensive because it was Anzac Day weekend and flights were ridiculous if you hadn't booked them months and months and months in advance that I was quite lucky to do. But unfortunately, not. I'm not too sure. In the midpoint of the week, the cheer squad weren't coming over. No one from the cheer squad was. I believe a couple ended up being able to come over. But what was quite frustrating, I think, was just the organization of what was going on in that space because you might not have noticed, I'm not too sure, but we didn't have a banner. It was Will Setterfield's 50th game. Bloke didn't even get to run through anything. Now, I don't know if there's a lot of logistics that really would have prevented that. Like, uh, you know, in my head, I'm just thinking, well, surely they could have made it, found a way to ship it over. We, there were so many WA supporters in the supporter group that people could have surely organized something to get on the ground and do it. Maybe that's just not possible. Maybe we don't, you know, no one can get that pass to be able to go onto the ground. And maybe this is a bit of a kick at the club as well for not stepping in and dealing with this as well. Because it should it be on the cheer squad to try and have to sort all of this out if they can't travel? Or should the club step yeah. in and just get something like a banner that every single club have and find a way and just, you know, all the, the big suits that have flown over? How about you get down there and put the banner up if no one else can, you know, is allowed to go on the ground. So I think that just kind of annoyed me a little bit where yep. it's just, it's a little thing, but it's like, come on. Any other week, it's still annoying, but knowing it's some bloke's milestone game, yeah, it just, yeah, it's one of those little things that didn't sit right for me. But again, I don't want to go too hard because I don't, I don't know the full story and maybe there was things that were just completely beyond everyone's control because the, I think the cheer squad do a great job and I'm not trying to have, I'm not trying to pick a fight with you because I do really like what you guys do. <laughs> So it's not a Casbolt rant, but I just had to come out here and say that because it just annoyed me a little bit that we didn't have a banner. Yeah, no, that's very fair. I'll put my head up and say that I didn't notice. I definitely tuned in too late to see that. But look, yeah, it doesn't feel like a good omen going into the game for Big Will. <laughs> Felt yeah. weird just to see I'm him run you. on the ground. It was, an, it was an odd thing. I'm with you. Yeah. But yeah, so we'll get on to some more positivity here. Um, and that is the vote. So fan votes, geez. This oh, yeah. was. This was very tight. Missing out on a vote, which we don't normally do, but there was one vote between these two. So missing out was Doherty. He had 11 (gasps) votes, missed out. And then pipping him by one with 12 votes to get the one from the fans was Adam Saad, who I thought just, again, tried hard, did everything he needed to do in that game. You're always going to get the effort from him. Thought he was great. Two goes to Adam Chera on 16 votes. Again, played a terrific game. We've touched on him a bit. Wow. So Chera got 16. Cripper, obviously the best on ground. 48 votes. A big oh. difference. He got every single three from the fans. 
Um, so those are your three. Lockie, we are the same as the fans out there, or do you have anyone different? Every single three, gee whiz. Put the chads around his neck this <laughs> instant. 100%. Um, yeah, no, very similar. I went I went the one for my man Chez because I just <laughs> thought Saad. Yeah. Oh, wow. God, he's just... I, I can't put into words how bloody amazing he is and just mm. how every time he goes near <laughs> the ball, something good happens. Yeah. Oh, I love him so much. And yeah, three for Chaz. Yeah, look, I, I was pretty stiff on Doherty too. I wanted to give him a vote because you can just see him giving everything. And it was something that when we were struggling, when we weren't getting the ball moving for these good transitions, you could almost notice him more than a few others. You could just tell yeah. he was trying that a bit harder, particularly seeing it at the ground, the way he was attacking the ball, attacking the contest, and seeing the way a couple of others near him were going, and not you know yep. shit on those guys, but you could just tell he was at that other level. So I'm stiff to not give him a vote, but I've given one to yeah. Weedering for his role on Tabernar. I don't think he ever did anything wrong. For the ball to be coming in that hot <laughs> yeah. that many times, Every single time he got a fist to it and did the right thing. So Weeders gets my one. Saad gets my two for the same reason you touched on it. I think all the best things that were coming from that back half were from him. And then obviously oh, yeah. you can't you can't not give the three to Big Rick. So now that we've done the He's votes, uh, do, do you have any fan questions for us, Lockie? Uh, because I guess after that, we'll be going into chatting about the North game and the big thing everyone wants to talk about. Jizz team changes. I know you always love to talk oh. about changes after a loss. It's your big time to shine. So I'm excited to touch on that, but we always ask the fans um, after the games to give us any questions. So do you have any for me? Yeah. I mean, as always, you know, we always address the hot topics throughout the, the damn episode. So we cover a Try lot to. of it, but, but um, th- this is one that, I mean, sticks out for me and it, it's maybe not something we can completely reflect on now, but it, it'll, you know, as we go through the season, it'll be yep. apparent. Um, Alchemy Blue kind of asked about um, the list management aspect. Yeah. Um, you know, with obviously Pitt and TDK as our our big ruck options and, and Murkov, you know, we're developing him. Um, you know, do you, do you have any thoughts on that at the moment with how you're feeling about, you know, if TDK was to go down, uh, yeah. Jesus. where are we turning to? Well, I think well, Murkov has to come in if that's the case, which isn't ideal. He seems right. to be doing pretty well in the VFL, but he's, he's just nowhere near ready. And maybe it's just going to have to be one of those cases where we have to throw him in. And maybe he'll prove everyone wrong and he will be there and become the greatest Ruckman ever this season. But seeing, I guess, the limited that I have, his Ruck work seems really good because he's so big. Seems to be able to win the taps, hit it out to advantage and do all those lovely things from the center bounces and even you know, around the ground, he seems okay. But I don't think he has the tank. Like watching that St. Kilda game in preseason, he seemed to be gassed after about two minutes. And I, I worry his work around the ground and tracking and those sort of aspects are going to be where he drops off a lot mm-hmm. compared to others. But it, it's been a big question for, I think, years. Ever since Cruiser, I guess, was you know retired, it was, okay, Yeah, we've bought in... We got Andy Phillips, sweet. And then it was, you know, overcomes big, big Brad. That's perfect. We got TDK brewing there as the understudy. Yeah. Levi, is he the, then the next Ruckman that we had? And we, we yep. take him away. We bring in a Lewis Young. Then we get some interest to the back line. So you can't really throw Lewis Young into the Ruck. 
on the weekend, I, I, I mean, we all would have probably seen it. Will Setterfield was in the ruck for oh, we love that. near the end, which was that's when you can tell, Jesus, we have no one else to go in the ruck if Setterfield's having to go in there. The poor guy, 50th game. Have fun, mate. Jump in there. Yeah, and, happy milestone. Having, having no Silvani, who's been some that chops out. It's clearly a list deficiency. I think we chatted about it start of the season. I was pretty keen to try to get someone else. I know you were pretty big on just getting Laddams to the to the team, to the Ooh. club, which yeah. would have looked absolutely beautiful. I was trying to get someone that was maybe a little bit cheaper, thinking if he's yeah. going to Sydney, gee, that's Sinclair, if he's still about... If he's fit, he's not getting a game there behind him and Hickey. They've got Naismith as well who's always injured. Maybe Sinclair's worth throwing a fourth-round pick saying, hey, you'll be a backup Ruckman if an injury happens. But, yeah, I mean, we've backed ourselves into a hole now where yep. who do you got? TDK goes down, TDK goes down and, yeah, it's it's Murkov, Young, Soss, Setterfield. So yep. do you have any... Anything else you can kind of think of? Anyone else you'd maybe want to see go in there? <laughs> like, what do we, what do we do at this stage? Is this wait till mid season and grab someone, or where are you where are you thinking the whole ruck scenario is going to go now that pits out for months? God, yeah. I mean, it goes back to me before about what you were saying earlier about you know us focusing on that game style and whether we had the the personnel to be able to do it because obviously this risk was there and they would have thought about this and. We know TDK, like they've both missed, you know, a bunch of games here and there when they've been playing. We know that they're not, you know, they don't have complete perfect health and we yeah. can't rely on that to be the case. Like we knew that coming in and the coaches did. Mm. So, yeah. Do I have any other options? God, no. We'll see. Maybe Mer- maybe Merkoff will su- surprise us when he comes in. Yeah, you know? who knows? Rise to the occasion. <laughs> but uh, we'll see. Hopefully we don't have to cross that bridge and TDK mm. will play every game out. Yeah. Yeah. And he's young. So maybe like we've seen just, I guess, the tiniest bit of improvement from the Gold Coast to this game. I'm hoping, and it's it's a big hope, but Mm. potentially TDK rises and he's starting to learn those little things. He's got Cruiser there to help develop him. Maybe he's figuring out things. Maybe he was trying too hard against Wits going, oh, I've got to try and outbody him. How am I getting around this? Maybe he's learning a few things and, this is the big test now to see what this guy can do thrown mm. into it. You're not really going to be that forward hybrid. You're going to be solo ruck. Let's see what happens. But, yeah, what were you saying? Yeah. Um, oh, God, I was about to go on to a brilliant question from Mick if you're ready to go to the next. Yeah, happy to. Shout out to Michael Cerevolo for his question because it's a goodie. And you know what? I'm going to be stumped with an answer for this one. But it's something that I thought, <laughs> thought about too during the game and I've thought about it a bit this season when yep. especially our smalls have been a bit quiet. Um, so I'll, I'll read what he said. Um, our entry inside 50 was not great again, uh, which I agree with, with the limited inside 50s we had. Uh, if you look at teams like Melbourne and Richmond, they hit their smalls on the lead. And I can't mm. remember the last time that we did that. And Freo were doing it with Schultz. So is it that our players are not creative enough or are we too focused on Harry and Charlie? Mm. Um, I've definitely felt that um, that focus on going to those guys mm. at, at stages in, in every game this season. And, yeah, I mean, it, it's a good point. Do you have any immediate thoughts on that? It probably kind of goes back to, I mean, almost every point that we've made about <laughs> what was what is <laughs> – what is going wrong so far? And it seems to be whether it's work rate or what, like people aren't 
running and creating, creating space for one another. What was the issue we had? Hawks and Port came. Harry and Charlie, put yeah. it on my head. I'm not leading up to the ball. Kick it long. It's an issue. Yeah. And if the forwards aren't doing it, and the, the and then the smalls aren't doing it, it's it's stagnant. And it, I feel like it's a big issue across the board. It's not just the small forwards. It seems to be like no one is working hard to create different leads. And maybe that's just a a continuity thing. These guys need games to understand where others are are moving in that forward line because you know Harry and Charlie haven't played many yep. games together. Durden hasn't played many AFL games. Neither Zoe's. Fisher and Martin, everyone's been so in and out of this team. It may be just the cohesion's not there at the moment, but I do agree with you, even just talking about the big forwards as well. How often do we actually hit anyone up on a lead, uncontested yeah. mark inside 50? Yeah. It seems like all our marks, all our goals are always from a contested grab. Doesn't seem like Great. there's ever these little short kicks. All of a sudden, we've ripped teams open. There we go, on the lead. So yeah, that's a, that's another. It's a really good point because it is something that the best teams do it. Best teams are able to create space for their forwards to run into. And yeah, if we're struggling to move the ball forward, if they're there creating even higher up the ground, mm. it gives us something. It gives us something that's just not there at the moment. That feels more. It feels more game plan to me than anything because I like in a personnel personnel wise from our midfield, like it's there, like. Players yeah. like Chez, Walsh, Sarden, Doc, if they're running past for the handball, like they're the guys that could do these spearing passes onto a lead mm-hmm. and we know that they can do it. So that's why it feels more like directive when it's like, well, yeah, you know, it, it doesn't feel like the, the forwards are leading, but why? Mm-hmm. But why? Gosh. Oh, <laughs> there's more questions than answers out of this goddamn pod every freaking I know. time. Because all oh, I want to do is just get into the minds. <laughs> Why is I'd it? Love, I absolutely love that? to be a, a fly on the wall in these in these team meetings and, and trying to figure out what they're trying to do and whether is is the coaching not up to scratch or is are the players just not executing? I, I'd love to know exactly yeah. where it sits. I think it's maybe a, a bit of both where things aren't 100% gelling just yet. But again, it's another thing that if you just improve that for me, yeah. 20%, 20%, 30%. We're a, a ridiculously much better team. And, and even in that Hawthorne game, I know there was a lot of contested grabs, but I kind of want to go back to it because when we were playing really well, we were still creating space for our forwards to run into. We were winning mm. the ball so quickly that, yeah, it was ended up being a bit of a contested grab, but the Hawthorne players were running back and our player was running towards it, which yeah. is, at the, is, is the better point for our I guess, forward to, to, to get that space. So it's something that if we can, yeah, fix basically by just incremental, every one of these facets, I think you're going to see a much improved oh. side and just yeah. a 10% improvement each week by the end of the season, we'll be absolutely flying. Jay, incremental. I feel like that's our word of the season because <laughs> it's so true. It's so many facets. And I think it'll lead us into kind of our last question, which will take us into the... The changes, because I think with that small forward kind of talk about hitting them on leads yeah. and everything in the forward line, I feel like there's some experimentation that we can do in terms of personnel. Yeah, that's right. And I'll, I'll, I'll start that off with the final question from Mark DT. If Pinnan is out, can we beat North and Adelaide? Mm. And boy, um, I, I, 
I mean, I definitely don't think that's a be all and end all, but. I think one, one million percent. I would be very worried if, and it, it goes back to that earlier point, if you take one person out of our team and all of a sudden we now can't beat anyone. Even if it's it's someone that is maybe a better opposition, maybe I'm taking these guys too lightly, but a team in the eight or, or someone that we should be really competing with for those final spots, we should still be beating them if we have one injury because every team's going to have them. We shouldn't be reliant so much on one player and you've just got to adapt. And, and that's what I'm I'm almost more excited to see how we react, how we evolve so this game style, because it's all on us now that the pressure's on us to figure out other ways. And good sides do that. Good sides find ways to plug gaps, to bring someone else in, to change up how we play. Okay, we might not win the tap, but the midfield will win the ball and we'll do this to navigate our way out of trouble and uh, that I'm excited because we've asked so many questions this week and I just mm. want to see if we get any little answers over the next month or so. Oh, mate, I'm bloody excited. It's a bloody exciting fortnight ahead. And, gee, if we can come back to this <laughs> yeah. seat and gloat about some big wins with 22 performers. So, yeah, shall we get into it? I think so. So we've obviously got North Melbourne. We've chatted about it a bit. They do have some decent ruckmen. They've got Goldie there, even though it looks like Cherry's the main guy that they've been throwing into the rucks. I wonder if they'll change that up a little bit, knowing that we, I guess, TDK seems to struggle a little bit with a bigger body. I, I wonder if that'll be a tactical lever that they'll pull at some stage. But what are you looking at this week to fix it? Personnel-wise, who's coming in, who's coming out? And that's the question I'll also open it up to all the fans. So if you're, if you're listening yeah. to this on podcast, tweet at us. Let us know who you're bringing in or out. If you're watching this on YouTube, chuck it down in the comments. Chuck the episode a like as well and a subscribe if you are <laughs> enjoying the content. Got to chuck that little plug in there. But yeah, give me your changes. We, we, we can't just be telling, saying, get rid of Setterfield if you're not replacing him. So <laughs> what are you doing, Lockie? Let him have game 51. <laughs> no, no. I mean, I'll start with, you know, I, I haven't got exact change written down, but just thinking about where we're at, it, it's a concern if, if both Sauce and Harry don't pull up. Yes. Which is possible, which is possible. Um, because Jack feels like the, the perfect replacement for Pitt um, as someone that can do mm. a bit of backup I work so. for, for TDK. But... Yeah, man, I'm just going to knock on this wooden desk here because, yeah, God, I hope he can come up because I, I don't know. I don't know what it's going to be if those two mm. um, can't play. Who's who's that next tall? Honey uh, is still – I don't believe – he hasn't returned in the VFL last week, did he? He's still waiting. Yeah, to there, it looks like he'll be a test to play VFL this week. Sure. There you go. So, man, where's the height? I think, yeah. Interesting thing will be what happens if Sauce doesn't get up. I don't think there's anyone else that can really come into that. I, I McDonald's still a while away, so you can't necessarily throw Young into the ruck. I genuinely do not know. Do we have to do that thing again where it's Buddy Setterfield in there? And, you know, Lewis Young ruck as soon as the, the center bounce happens and then sprint back to defense and someone else goes into the ruck. It's something I don't want to even fathom because I hate – every idea of it, or is this Murkov week? Are we just oh, going to throw him in and say, we've got a player, you're on the AFL list, so you're capable enough? And maybe they do that. Uh, Harry, I think if Harry's out, 
it's probably going to be Kemp. It looks yeah. like they've been playing him in this. I hope so. Tall forward role, which is very interesting. I almost feel like we need him as that interceptor at the moment down back, and it's a different role for him. It doesn't seem to be necessarily being super successful down there. He isn't flourishing in in the forward line in the twos so far, learning this new role. But it might just be down to the fact that, yeah, if one of these guys go, we have no one else. So someone else yeah. has to learn the role. And maybe that's maybe that's a Brody Kemp. Yeah. No, I back that in 100%. And uh, yeah, look, a positive is uh, maybe not to fill this position, but there's that bunch of players down there that I am really keen to see. And I yes. have a good feeling that we might. Uh, and a lot that I know that you want to talk about because there's, there's whispers that it's mm. Jack Carroll week. Um, it feels like Motlop. Two guys to, to debut. How tasty would that be? Obviously, Dow has been pushing for a long time. And, like, our man who will, like, this is his bloody year, are like, when when are we going to see Stocker? Like, it's all mm. these guys that they're not going to fill that role. But, gee, there's, there's some fellas there that, you know, you wouldn't be too upset if they made way for one yeah. of those guys to have a chance. No, 100% agree. So, did you, did you want to go through who we've actually both got as our ins and outs this week. Take it away, my friend, because I'm a mess right now with this. There's too many options. Well, yeah, I guess I'll kind of go through all the options and I'll hopefully try to narrow it down as I go because these are the players that I think we're all agreeing are in that contention to come out. And let me know if you've got any others. And they are Nunes, Setterfield. We know Pitt's out. Cottrell, always for me. Uh, Parks is another one who I don't think has necessarily been bad, but he hasn't really excelled. And then Zach Fisher, who had a really poor game that some people have called for him to come out. To yeah. touch on Fisher firstly, I feel like if maybe a Honey or if we had someone else that was fit and firing, he would come out for me. Yeah. But it kind of comes down to I have no one else to play that high half forward role. And he played really well the week prior, so I'm going to let him off. But the guys to come in, O'Brien, Kennedy, Silvani, Carroll, oh, Stocker. And then another one that people don't love, but who killed us on the weekend? If you were to say one player, we just did not manage him, who would that be? I reckon he might be one of your favorite players. <laughs> one of my favorite players? Is it because of a cheeky, a cheeky Prowler Smokey? No, it's it's no it's one of your it's one of your uh, least favorite players who has some real short T oh. Rex arms. <laughs> he doesn't have normal size arms. Oh. I don't know what's going on there, but I just hate yeah. that. I hate that type of player. And the the guy on every team that plays that role, I hate. But yeah, gee, he he did. Yeah, he killed us a bit, didn't he? Yeah, it's never good to see those little small forward pests are not good. And yeah, Schultzy, I think, dominated us a little bit there. But then you can even throw in a plowman. And don't don't hit me for saying it. I know everyone yeah. will be typing their responses in the comment section already. But again, it's another time a small forward's got on top of us. Who is our best small defender? Who's the only player that can lock them down? For me, that's a plowman. So... Is he someone that has to come in at some stage when we're playing a team that has one of these? Uh, for me, I think he does. Now, I don't, at the moment, touch wood, think that North have those kind of players that will really dominate us. So I'm not necessarily going to bring him in. But my changes yeah. that I've written down here, I've gone, Silvani fit, he comes in for Pitt. Uh, you do yeah. that one nice and easy. 
Love I'm it. taking Setterfield out and I'm bringing Kennedy in. I want Kennedy straight back into that midfield. Uh, the other one, Nunes, I just I don't really want to see him anymore. I, I'd, no, I'd rather see I'd rather see a Philp on the wing. I'd rather see us give a young guy a go because at least you're going to learn something. And I just don't think we learn anything in the team with the Nunes. So I'm bringing him back. O'Brien, don't know love why it. he was dropped. I love what he brings. I want him back in this team just because yep. of his, his great tool set. Cottrell comes out, another one that is maybe not necessarily an older player. Well, I just don't think he's going to do anything yep. better than what we've seen. And so for him, I'm bringing in Jack Carroll. I don't necessarily know where I want to see this guy play. Does he get time on the wing? Is he half forward? Does he get midfield minutes? I'm not too sure. But where I want to structure my wings, O'Brien on one. I don't think you even need to take him onto the interchange bench. I'm pretty sure he's done that before. (laughs) My other wing is Chera, Walsh. You can maybe throw a Carroll on there, a Doc, Saad, a Newman, Williams. I don't care. They can all rotate on the other one. There's about 12 (laughs) blokes that can do it. (laughs) I think everyone else will bring a bit more than Cottrell, and I want to see what Jack Carroll can do. His form in the twos has earned it, and maybe he can bring something a bit different to that midfield mix that is seeming a little bit one-dimensional at the moment. Sorry. Unfortunately, Dow's the one that misses out for me just now. I do think his burst from stoppage is something our midfield's missing a little bit, but I would like to give him... A one more week or two to really knock that door down before he comes back in, just because I think Kennedy, if he's right, <clears throat> yeah. Kennedy comes in. But hey, oh. if Kennedy's if Kennedy isn't right, Dowie gets get your chance. My last two changes, I know there's been heaps already. There it is. Is Motlop in for always? Yes. Yeah. <clears throat> I think Mate, it's his time. Water. Oh, I'm struggling. See, I don't know what's going on. I think Perth's giving me COVID. Lucky I got out of there before they've trapped me down. Um, but yeah, look at Motlop. He's looking fantastic. Every little highlight you see, he looks special. He looks like one of these special talents that has that X factor. And a bit of insight, I guess, something I was lucky to hear from Luke Power. He spoke about Motlop. And what was really interesting, he said, normally with these small forwards, they've got that flair. They'll do all those nice little tricks. But the one thing he has mm-hmm. that shocked him that not a lot of these guys do is endurance. He said that this guy can run, cover the ground, which is what Love. we need from these small forwards. And the reason I've dropped Owies over maybe a dirt and is just probably that ceiling. Yes. And my knock on Owies, I know I feel like I've been chatting for about 20 minutes here. I'm getting sick of my own voice, but Owies, the one detractor I have for him is how many times is he getting hit up on the lead? And for some reason, he just can't ever mark the ball. Whether his opponent gets a fist, yeah. I don't know what I don't know what it is, but it seems to be every single time he can never hold them, which is always pretty frustrating. So I'd give him mm. a bit of a spell. And then the last one, Stocker, he has to come in. And Got so it. unfortunately, Parksy is coming out for me there. So oh, man. I'll do this nice and quickly. It is Nunes out, O'Brien in, Setterfield out, Kennedy in, Pitonet, Sauce, Cottrell. Carol in, Owies, Motlop, Parks out, Stocker in. <laughs> I mean, it's, it feels like if there's ever a week to do these bulk moves like that, um, yeah, I'm with you. It feels like the one. I mean, Carol Bog, I mean, lock that in. Yeah. Of course. 
Millions. Wherever he plays, lock him Rising into the star. three. See, we're due for one of those. It's been a minute. Um, <laughs> I think so. There's a, f- there's a few Rising Star nominees that we could get. So, yeah, I- I'm with you on all those changes. It's crazy. Like, you got to remember, like, so many of these players have been in our system for a while and they're maturing. Yeah. But then you got to remember that players like Dirds. Like under ten games, yeah. Like you, you have you have to kind of know that we know we we think the ceiling is there for him, and we've got to persist. And mm. um, yeah, so it's you know you have to make those hard calls, and I think always is is a good one for that to give Motlop a chance. Mm. And yeah, I like it. Uh, you know, I'm not a big advocate for bulk changes, but every one of those speaks to me. So I'm just going to put a big old thumbs up on it. And I, I honestly think as well, sometimes you and I go for our perfect changes and not what the, yeah. the club will do. It, it wouldn't surprise me if what actually happens is quite similar mm. to that. Yeah, like maybe it's maybe it's too many. Maybe that is just ridiculous to have that many guys there. But I think everyone I've named to come out, for me, I don't. I wouldn't have them in my best 22 if I was picking it now. So that's maybe why there's so many yeah. coming out. And I think we have, we have options to bring in, which is probably the positive. And we've even got, like, you know, a, a plowman that I think can come in and step up in that back line, a Kemp that mm. I think can come in, step up down there, and a Dow that I haven't maybe mentioned. So I guess yeah, I'll ask uh, – I got you, I got three little quick questions for you on the back of this. Um, is Dow someone that you'd want to see come in or do you think that's just too many midfielders in that mix? Would you rather see a Carroll over him at this stage? Yeah, it, it would hmm. – it's a tough question. I mean, yeah, if we if we think about the midfield mix that we've been rolling with and been very happy with, we've like that's not changing. And we would say, yeah, yeah Dow wouldn't have been in there previously. So it probably would be Carol for me because it's something different. We don't know exactly what we're gonna get at the AFL level. So yeah, you know, I'm very confident we're gonna see Dow at some point this season and he'll get his chance, but it doesn't feel like now for me. Yeah, cool. I think I agree with that one. Then an interesting one is Liam Stocker. I think it sounds like yeah. he's gonna come back in. Another really amazing performance from him. Do you think he's a bit wasted in the role we are playing him in at the moment? Just because it, it seems like we've got so many of these halfback, small mm. defenders that aren't necessarily that amazing at locking down. They, they're okay with their defensive work, but they're so good at creating. And is that maybe what our midfield needs at the moment? I know he's not fast, and I think we do lack a bit of pace in there currently to burst away but just his skills i i feel like if he comes mm. in i want to see him spend some time in the middle i i just yeah I, maybe this is too maybe this is too much maybe i'm going too harsh but i do worry with a player like him that we're wasting him over maybe a guy like a kennedy that mm. i think with the ceiling i have for a stock is higher and it, it just worries me that who knows maybe a club at the end of this season Goes, hey Stocker, Ugh. we can offer you midfield time. You're not, you're not getting it at Carlton, and maybe you, you, you turn his head. Maybe that's too hard. Maybe that's yeah. a ridiculous call. But knowing the talent that this guy has and how much we all love him, I, I, I just wonder when that evolution is going to happen because it seems to be a hard yeah. midfield to get into right now. Yeah, no, it's, I think it's perfectly reasonable to put that out there. Um, like I haven't paid the closest attention to how we've been going in the VFL and where players have been used. Yeah. My understanding is that he is being used in that backline role that we would think he'd yep. be playing at AFL level. And that's the hard thing, I suppose, if, if that's what he's been working on his craft down there. And we know he was doing that last year. It, it feels mm-hmm. like it makes sense that he would come into the team and do that. But on the 
you know, th- th- this is what uh, a fancy yeah. answer where it d- definitely feels like we're wasting him if he's not going to be there at some point because we've always hoped that he's going to be that midfield guy. But it also mm. is hard when it feels like one of our strengths is, is all of these guys. And if Kennedy's our fourth, uh, basically our fifth best midfielder in there and he's been playing amazing when healthy, yes. it's like, Phew, what do you do? So, yeah. I, I don't think we see him in the midfield for a little bit, mm. but if they chuck him in there, whew, I'll be stoked. Yeah, at least it's I mean, it's a positive because we have another option to go through there if things aren't going our way. But I'll try to end this one on a bit more of a, a lighter note. We we call this game the Carlton North Melbourne one. For us, this is the Digby Morale Memorial Cup. Uh, bless, bless the, the great man. If, he's not dead, so I don't know why I said memorial, but we'll, we'll, we'll say that's what it is. But it's been turned into the Mackay Bowl, except oh, once mate. again, once again, don't start me on this. Ben has got suspended. Harry's under an injury cloud. What is it? Seven years these guys have been in the AFL system, have not played against each other. I know there's this joke of, haha, they're the same. They're the same person. There's only one of them. But this is beyond ridiculous now. What do you like, mean, Jock? What, what is happening? How are they? Is there some bet going on in the family? Like, are the parents gone? There is what no is chance that you two are ever playing on each other. Like, I just cannot fathom how it's been this many yeah. years. Yeah, I wouldn't say it's a joke. I'd, I'd say it's it's a reality of things. And <laughs> yeah, I guess I'm excited to see the the lengths and the extent that it will get to in years to come yeah. because they can't keep getting can't keep getting suspended, can't keep getting injured. Like, where does it end? Um, I suppose Ooh. that's the exciting part. Yeah, I mean, put in the comments, name us the year that we finally see <laughs> them both play in the same game together because. I'm putting my money on 2025 at this stage. I think we've got to push it. That's back good. Because, like, like you said, there's only so many times you can fake an injury. You can f- get a suspension the week before. This is yeah. beyond ludicrous now. Like it was, it, it started to be a bit of a joke last year. If they do this again next year, I think there needs to be a full inquest, an independent inquest into yep. why the Mackay twins are not playing against each other every single year because this is the serious stuff that needs to get covered in the AFL. Forget trying to find a new CEO. That's that's mm. the real stuff right there. Yeah, I think 2025 feels good. It feels like 2025 we don't see them in the season and then it comes, obviously, grand final time. We're going yep. for our three-peat. North are finally <laughs> there. Finally the meeting um, in the grand final for the three-peat. Feels good. I'm going to manifest that. 100%. Maybe that's it. They're waiting for a bigger occasion. They're like, I'm not playing I mean, what? whatever Marvel. time at Marvel. Uh, no, I don't want that. It's the G yeah. or nothing. Maybe that's it. But look, thank you for listening this week again. Apologies for not having an episode out last week. We absolutely hate to miss them. <laughs> but fingers crossed we don't miss any more this year. And fingers crossed we get an absolute win against North. If Again, I'll do all the plugs. I love doing them. Follow us on all socials at Navy Blue Corner. If you're watching this on YouTube, drop us a like, subscribe so you never miss an episode. In case we don't do an episode or one comes out a bit later, don't have to search for it. It'll be in your subscriptions there. Um, And then leave us a comment. If you agree with anything, if you disagree, let us know. Let us know your team changes as well. We always like to hear from you guys. I'll be in there having a bit of a read and, and replying to you guys. 
If you're on Spotify, if you're on Apple Podcasts, leave us a bit of a rating. It always helps us and improving the podcast. But look, I'm going to shut up now. Thanks for listening. See you guys next time.